Welcome to Dev Tools Topia, where we have casual and unpretentious conversations about developer tools and the future of the software industry. I'm your host, Kate Catlin. Hello, today we are talking to Marinal Wadwa, CTO of Occam. And today we're going to chat about secure communication in IoT. Thank you for having me on the show, Kate. Awesome. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit more on uh, what your company does and specifically what you do within that. Do you want to kick us off with first a little bit of an introduction, like a Twitter-sized introduction of you and what you do? Um, sure. Um, so like you said, I'm CTO at Occam. Um, I also lead the product development efforts at the company. And I have a background in distributed systems. Um, and uh, yeah, the... Uh, I'll, I guess we'll dive into what Occam does a little bit going further, but that's that's about me. I like programming languages. Um, that's of interest. Right on. Me too. Um, so, so when we first started chatting, I asked you what you would be most passionate to chat about, and you said secure communication with IoT. So, explain to this to me like I'm five. What? Why is secure communication so important with IoT, especially? Hmm. Like you're five. So, well, that's a little bit challenging because <laughs> I wouldn't want to scare you if you're five. Um, but oh, oh, okay. <laughs> but here's the, here's the, um, here's the gist of it, right? Like we have, uh, we have things in our house that are connected to the internet. Could be, you know, our TV, our camera, our car, um, our doorbell, uh, our baby monitor. These things are connected to the internet. And Secure communication in IoT makes sure that these things are safe and we can rely on them and we can trust that they do what they're supposed to do and uh, bad things don't happen. That's my five-year-old explanation. Nice. <laughs> I like that. Diving in on that a little bit more, you said um, the right things happen that are supposed to happen. Um, interesting. My first thought was like, so no one steals your data. But is it more so like, so no one tells your microwave to burst into flames? Both of those, right? So it's, it's important that, it, that connected things around us can do sense and control. And uh, oftentimes people forget the control aspect of it, right? Um, so a connected door lock can open your door. Uh, a connected car can open the car. It can stop the working car. Uh, Stop the car while you're driving it, or um, uh, you can open doors in the car. So uh, if there's a control aspect of IoT that is important, right? And it's often more dangerous than the uh, data stealing privacy aspect. Uh, but of course, both of them are important. Wow. Yeah, you're right. I wouldn't want to explain that as a five-year-old. I'm not even sure I want to think about that as a not five-year-old. That's, uh, that's super interesting. And is that what your company, Occam, does? Yes. Uh, so what we're doing is we're building open source developer tools for application developers, people who are building devices or services that interact with devices. We make open source tools for them to easily do secure communication uh, within IoT systems and build trust between devices and services. Oh, interesting. You said it was open source? Yes. Huh. How do you monetize? 
So we are uh, we're early. We haven't yet released a product, but the plan is to do enterprise uh, enterprise products around the open source core. So we'll have services uh, that uh, take the open source capabilities and host them as services that we can then sell to enterprises, provide SLAs around it, that kind of thing. That's interesting. Um, and totally not what we're here to talk about. So sorry for that tangent. Um, what started your passion for this whole world of secure communication? So I, um, about seven years ago now, um, I got involved with my first sort of IoT company product. Um, and um, I was hired into that company to lead this development of a uh, set of tools for uh, connected cities. Uh, so we were building sensors that were embedded inside the road or embedded inside the sewer system, were controlling street lights. They were control, they were measuring uh, water levels to do flood warning, those kinds of sensors. And in deploying those systems in like city environments, which where, you know, your devices are literally sitting on the street. Um, I became really concerned and conscious about how is this data, how, how do we rely on and trust this data? Um, and how do we, um, in, in sort of mission critical emergency response type scenarios, how do we make sure that when we trigger a alarm, the alarm actually goes off, right? And, and cannot be intercepted. So, uh, that, uh, that role really got me interested in the space of how to do the, these kinds of things correctly. And then I've kind of continued that journey first in that company. And here we decided that, uh, this kind of capability should be accessible and easy to use for everybody, um, versus, you know, certain specialized people being able to do it. So, so we decided let's make this open source. Let's make it easy for anyone to, with a few function calls, add secure communication to their, to their um, connected system. Wow. That's so interesting. Um, so my next question was going to be asking you, you know, who, who else is working on this? What's your favorite of the tools that are already in this space? Um, and, and yeah, tell me a little bit about how Occam stands out there. And, and also tell me a little bit about if there's other tools that really stand out in this space. Right. That's a good question. So, you know, traditionally, um, doing secure communication, even on like the, the things that we're used to doing security, even in a web service or a website is pretty hard. And it gets harder when you have devices involved that may be distributed around the world, uh, aren't, aren't necessarily directly connected to the internet. They oftentimes use other protocols before the internet player protocols start. Uh, so the, to the network topologies are more complex. Uh, the way these devices are provisioned, deployed, et cetera, is more complex. So traditionally, setting up a secure connected system that involves lots of devices has been a very specialized skill. And of course, some companies do a good job of it, but typically they do that good job by having a very tightly integrated control process around how these things are provisioned with secret keys, how they're, what are the protocols they use, uh, et cetera. And so if you control that entire process, you control how the devices are built, you control the network, you control the services, you control the provisioning. If you control that entire process, you can pull off having a secure system. Um, and so 
the companies that have been able to do that successfully, some examples that come to my mind are, for example, Apple has, I think, a pretty good handle on the security of their devices, even though they don't really make IoT devices. But there are, even in their phone infrastructure, you see, or, or Apple TV, like in devices Apple makes, you see some really good security practices. Uh, I'll give a for example. So Apple has a protocol called Apple Find My. Um, and it's the protocol that comes into play when, um, uh, when you lose your phone, right? So if you lose your phone or you leave it on a bench in, at a bus stop or something, uh, then you can, you can look at where your phone is. Now, there are two ways to implement this service. One is that your phone is constantly sending its location to Apple servers. And then when you lose the phone, you can just go look at the website and it'll tell you where the phone is, right? But in this scenario, the Apple servers know the location of your phone at all times, right? And that's that that's pretty bad uh, because that's a that's a honeypot that can be compromised. What Apple's done in the Find My protocol is they have an end-to-end encrypted system where yes, the data can, is transmitted, but it's transmitted in this encrypted form. So what happens is when you lose your phone. Uh, it starts uh, transmitting this this public key, uh, uh, cryptographic public key over Bluetooth, and nearby phones can detect that public key and transmit their location privately to that public key without revealing who they are and upload that to Apple servers. Now, in this design, you can still find your, your lost phone and other people can help you find the lost phone but Apple servers didn't learn your location at all times, right? So those kinds of protocols are what I think should become super easy and accessible to anyone building an IoT system, and they currently aren't. Uh, so that's a Apple example. Now, what makes Occam stand out is we're taking these kind of sort of bleeding edge cryptographic protocols, and we're making them open source, um, in an incremental fashion. So what we realized is that the very first thing we needed to enable was end-to-end encrypted connections. Um, And so that's been our focus for the last several months. Uh, We're now done with that. And now what we're doing is enabling um, exchange of credentials over those end-to-end encrypted connections. Um, So this kind of thing, I don't think there's a there's any other tool set available that someone could just use off the shelf. You kind of have to build it all from scratch, which Apple and uh, in some cases Google has done, but it's not something that's easily accessible to most people. Wow. Fascinating. Um, And I suspect we're going to dive more into the upcoming changes to that world in just a second, but up until now, how has that secure messages in IoT space changed um, over, let's say, the last decade up until today? And you've hinted at this a little bit, but give me some of the, the highlights of why it's changing like that. Yeah. So, well, in the beginning, no one bothered with security. And so the, the, everyone's excitement in the IoT space was... or even before the term IoT was coined in the industrial systems, people call them machine-to-machine systems, right? Uh-huh. Uh, because all of these things that I'm talking about and giving examples in a personal context, yeah. um, the big industrial machines are similarly being connected, and these big industrial machines have similar security challenges, right? Uh-huh. So uh, like a big pump at a factory 
if it is connected because it's efficient to allow remote control of it, allow remote management of it, if it is connected and is insecure, that's problematic, right? So that's where it really started. There, people have been connecting machines to networks, uh, I want to say since the 80s uh, in industrial settings. So it started back then. These kinds of connectivity continued to happen. It slowly became a consumer thing. So we started seeing, you know, connected door locks and doorbells and toothbrushes and all sorts of things over the last decade and a half or so. Right. Um, but no one bothered with security because that part was really hard and people were more excited about let's just make these c- things connected and make it easy in some cases or, um, you know, in some cases, not even clear. Some of these things are useful, but like, you know, oftentimes they are useful. Uh, so, so people were excited about that. Um, then about five, six years ago, we started to see people actually like attackers and hackers attack these systems. Mm-hmm. Um, because they were widely adopted enough. So we started seeing problems of, you know, uh, people's, uh, people's, people's, uh, uh, connected door lock being attacked or their um, a TV being attacked or their, uh, I think I remember this uh, example, someone showed a Jeep that they could, that was, it was a connected Jeep uh, vehicle that was driving and they could in a, a demonstration setting show that they could shut the Jeep down in a, while it was running remotely, right? Uh, this was like five, six, six years ago, if I remember correctly. So, these kinds of articles started coming out. These kinds of attacks started coming out. And then in 2016, there was a major event, which was called the Mirai botnet, where um, someone, so a lot of these devices, their approach to security was they'll have this hard-coded password, just like your Wi-Fi router, um, have a hard-coded password like admin, admin, right? And they will ship the awesome. devices like that. Figure that out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so someone, someone scanned the internet and found that 600,000 devices used some variation of 60 passwords. And then someone else took over those 600,000 devices and made them into a botnet that was then used to attack the internet and shut down the internet DNS infrastructure for a day or so, right? This happened in 2016. So, yeah. So then people got really... Uh, I, if I, this is, I, I have to recall from memory, but this was like the East coast of the U S uh, which has major, uh, DNS infrastructure was like completely brought down for half a day or something. Uh, the bananas, if you want to, if you're going to read more about it, the, the botnet was called the Marai botnet, M-A-R-A-I. And there are articles obviously everywhere. Uh, all publications you can think of uh, that wrote about it when it happened. Uh, so you can go look back at uh, back at that. But it's that's when people really started paying attention. I remember another one. Uh, like I said, my previous company was building city infrastructure. Uh, someone in Denver, if I recall correctly, uh, took over their tornado alarm system. So what they found out oh, was no. that there were some 200 or so tornado sirens in the city of Denver, and they used no authentication. So if you knew what message to send them, they would take your instruction. And so on one morning, like early morning, like 1 a.m. or something, someone decided to broadcast a message, which turned on all of these tornado sirens, and uh, it was very loud. 
that morning in in Denver, right? So these kinds of I, know. Uh, I, I, know I actually live in, in Boulder, which is just north of Denver, and I didn't hear about this. I wonder if it uh, if they tried to keep it on the down low or something. Well, it might be it might be Dallas or Denver. I, this is me recalling stuff from like five six years ago, right? Five years ago, I think. So okay. either Dallas Got or it. Denver yeah. uh, is where this happened. Um, but the point is, oh, these kinds of incidents started getting people really concerned about IoT security problems. Um, and then since then, we've seen people try to improve it. Um, so that whole default password thing is starting to go away. But there's still like even uh, last week, I read a study about how uh, there are hundreds of um kids' watches that are connected for some reason. I'm not sure what the use case there is, but there are kid watches for children that are connected uh, that someone published a study where they found that most of them are poorly poorly secured and they leak information about where the child is and those kinds of things. So um, this stuff is pretty scary in uh, if you start going down that sort of rabbit hole. But the, the point is that the awareness around um, IoT security has steadily been improving over the last five years. And there are some people starting to build the correct solutions uh, like Occam. Wow. Okay. Um, well, that's a relief to hear. Uh, so that kind of brings us up to today. When you look out over, you know, gosh, I don't know how this happened, but we're about to close out 2020. We're already in the fall. Um, when you look out over 2021, how do you see this space changing? Are there any um, big changes that we're right on the precipice of getting to? Well, um, I think one of the things that that has definitely affected this this industry is um, the pandemic, right? So a lot of like industrial systems, because of the pandemic, are relying more and more on remote expertise. Uh, so, for example. Uh, if I have an, a machine at a factory that uh, for some reason is having trouble, um, a remote engineer, if they can get the right diagnostic logs about what's happening on the machine, they can debug the machine remotely without having to go to the factory, right? And that's very useful if it is secure and reliable. And um, so I think uh, because of the pandemic, more and more operations are preferring to do remote processes where they can. And that's causing uh, people to seriously look at their ability to do these kinds of sort of remote maintenance, uh, predictive maintenance type of capabilities. And that's definitely affecting um, the industrial uh, IoT market quite a bit. And I imagine it could happen for our home devices also, right? Like my um, our dishwasher uh, was behaving weirdly for a few days since the lockdown. And I was concerned that if it break do- breaks down, we don't really want like maintenance people coming to the house, right? At this time. Right. So um, yeah, I think, I think these kinds of things, uh, the pandex, the pandemic's definitely having an effect on the IOT industry. Interesting. Cause it's, it's like both sides of it. Like on one hand, you want more people to be able to access your stuff remotely so they don't come in. But on the other hand, it makes it even more important that it's, that it's secure if they are going to access it. Huh. Exactly. Right. And they should only have access for the small window you want to give them access to. They right. shouldn't have permanent perpetual access to whatever's going on in your house. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely not. Wow. That's terrifying. 
Uh, so how about like over the next 10 years? How are things going to change a little bit further out than that? So I think the, um, I think the, uh, this, this concerns about security and privacy have slowed down the initial, like there was a lot of enthusiasm about IoT related automation and workflow. Um, when the ideas first started to flesh out, like beginning of this decade. Um, uh, but it kind of, uh, the, the, that excitement faded because people realized all of these problems around security and privacy and IoT, right? And so um, that's really slowed down uh, what we could do with this kind of technology. See, if, if it was reliable and trustworthy, uh, we can imagine all sorts of automation around us, right? These autonomous things that are doing stuff. But if it isn't secure and reliable, uh, re- reliable and trustworthy, then we uh, we are justified to like be scared of you know bringing these kinds of things into our house, right? Or into our factories or into our businesses. You know, for instance, uh, let's take like a, a connected doorbell. A lot of the connected doorbell products that are coming, they have a camera. And what is the use case of a connected doorbell, right? The, do- the use case is if someone rings the doorbell, I on my phone should be able to see who it is. The yeah. use case isn't that the service operator of that doorbell should be able to collect data about what's going on in my porch all the time, right? Yeah. However, that's what the reality is today, right? All connected doorbells uh, are basically streaming video of what's happening right outside your door to some central service. Um, so that is at least for me is a justification enough to not buy a connected doorbell. Um, but if the, the infrastructure was such that the protocols underneath guaranteed that no one can see that data other than me or whoever I authorize. And yes, it is, it is using the internet to transmit the data to me because I'm remote or I'm away on holiday or something like that, but it shouldn't be a mechanism for someone to gather that data, right? So if the, if the technology layer is fixed to make that happen, I think there will be much more automation and acceleration of actual things we will use if the foundation becomes reliable, trustworthy, private and secure. Um, and this applies just as much to uh, the, the home consumer use cases are more relatable to all of us, but the same applies in industrial settings, right? In an industrial setting, if I am running a factory and I'm allowing uh, some third-party machine to enter my factory uh, for some maintenance or something, then if the machine is reliable and trustworthy because of the underlying protocols, then I can leverage that machine in more productive ways. If the machine isn't reliable and trustworthy, then my security teams are going to go, well, let's not do this, right? So it slows down progress towards automation because our foundation is somewhat wobbly at the moment. Oof, yeah, that's terrifying. Um, Wow, so is there anything in my home probably right now that I should go and unplug? Like, is there any specific IoT home-based thing that is especially untrustworthy other than door cams? Um, well, uh, I'm sorry that I might disappoint you, but like most things today do really bought a bad job of security. So it's not that the wow, vendors... Everything. 
<laughs> the yeah, uh, anything that is connected. Um, there are some exceptions, of course, right? There's some people who are really putting in the effort. The problem is it it takes extra amount of effort and right. care to do this securely, and it's easier to go to market without bothering about security. And a lot of firms do that, right? Um, or they do it because it's hard, right? And they're like, okay, we'll in the next release we'll get to this, right? And it it happens because of that. But, um, uh, and sometimes it happens because they do their best, but it's, it still requires you to do certain things, like set up your network router securely and things like that. So because the foundational technology to do end to end things isn't there, um, it's a shared responsibility between, uh, you know, you and the vendor. Like, for example, right? Um, even 15 years ago, an entire office might have only, say, let's say a small office would have like 100 computers, right? And there would be an IT manager managing the connectivity and security of those 100 computers, right? Making sure the network is secure, et cetera. Well, now in our house, there are 100 computers. And we're, uh-huh. we're obviously not spending the time doing security of those 100 computers, right? So... um so something foundationally needs to get better for this stuff to be secure. Currently, um, unfortunately, there are way too many uh, bad implementations and horror stories. Wow. And I guess that's what makes your work so important right now is uh, trying to make that security a lot easier and cheaper for all of those companies who are shipping products into our homes. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the idea is that we would like, and, and we think so at least, that. Um, that this the solutions need to be open source so they can be reviewed and analyzed by experts and and validated and it's transparent what's going on in these systems and they need to be based on these open protocols that anyone can kind of figure out what's going on right but the uh, and these protocols are complex they involve lots of cryptography basically that's our only solution to do security correctly in these settings um so these protocols are complex and they need lots of review, but then using these protocols correctly should be easy. There should be easy APIs for an application developer uh, to just go, okay, I have a device in someone's house. I have this microservice. Hey, here's a function call. Just make the connection secure. That's how easy it should be. It unfortunately currently isn't. And that's, you know, um, that's what we're trying to build. Uh, and I'm sure other companies will uh, build and add to that ecosystem. But I, our thinking is that there's some some foundational building blocks needed that we're trying to sort of uh, bring to market. Yeah. Wow. And uh, thank you for your important work uh, that will hopefully change many things for us behind the scenes. Uh, where can people see more about your projects and hear more from you? So the best place is to go to GitHub. Uh, we are on github.com slash Occam, O-C-K-A-M hyphen network. And our primary repository is also called Occam. So github.com Occam network slash Occam. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I will link to that uh, from the podcast description as well. Uh, Mrinal, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for taking the time. It was my pleasure as well, Kate. Thank you for having me.